0: Few clans value their history as the Ventru do. The Bluebloods drill their fledglings in the long and complex tales of their clan and rarely make a difference between fact and fiction. After all, what does it matter how depraved the Brujai and their allies of Carthage truly were when the dangers they posed to the Roman Ventru was very real? The war was won, the land was salted, and the Roman Empire stood for hundreds of years as Carthage faded into obscurity. But that is not where their history began. It is said, often and by many of them, that the clan's founder was the first of the third generation to be embraced, an act ordained by Cain himself. Together with his grandsire, the antediluvian helped rule over the first city, much to the growing jealousy of his siblings. And when the deluge came to sweep away the city, Cain appointed Ventru as his successor, as his brother's keeper, and left his progeny behind. The task, however, proved too big of a challenge, and eventually, the third generation fell upon their sires in killing them. It is not clear whether Ventru himself partook in this act, and even today the clan itself denies it, refusing to see their particular feeding habits as a curse put on them by Cain. Ventru, unlike many of his siblings, is said to have disappeared quite early in history, Indeed, many vampiric scholars believe that the Antediluvian perished close to the fall of the Second City, murdered by the Bruja founder, a convenient reason for the antagonism between the two, and for enmity to be fostered and nurtured in the young of these clans. As the kindred spread across the Nazcan civilizations rising throughout the European continent, certain regions proved particularly lucrative for the Ventru. They set themselves up as gods to rule over the kind, each claiming their own city as domain. It wasn't until one of Ventrue's childer, Medon, who had set himself up as a god-king in the Aegean Archipelago, was staked and left to perish in the sunlight by an angry mob of his subjects, that it became obvious how little vampiric powers mattered to the numbers of the mortal kind. Even so, it would require more examples before the traditions of the masquerade would truly become a factor in the undead society. One particular kindred, Artemis, said to have been the very first child of Venture himself, came to settle in the Peloponnesian Peninsula and, centuries after the death of Medon, encountered the philosopher Lycurgus of Sparta, and through him and his dreams for his nation, she watched and helped the small community grow strong and prosperous. Presenting herself as a goddess, she became Sparta's patron, and under her watch, Lycurgus's constitution helped form one of the most feared armed forces of ancient Greece. City after city fell to, or chose to serve under Sparta, and at its center was Artemis herself. At first, they allied with Athens against Persia, but then turned against the Bruja-ruled city-state. Allegedly, Bruja-ruled, although our recent findings of the Toreador might put that one in question. Seemingly no Bruja or Ventru blood was spilled, however, and Sparta was victorious. Artemis embracing the general Lysander, who personally led the siege of Athens. He, in turn, would play a pivotal role in the future of the clan. However, it didn't take long after the Peloponnesian War for Sparta to fall. The Thebans razed Artemis' temples, and she fled west with her brood to the Italian peninsula. And there, in Syracuse, Artemis went into torpor, while her child Lysander settled in Tarentum. Meanwhile, in central Italy, the Ventru Collat is credited with having sparked the revolution that overthrew the Etrusian kings and established the Latin state. In turn, he set himself up as the Prince of Rome, ruling it for the next few centuries and seeing his domain expand until it covered most of the peninsula. Collat, unlike those before him, saw no reason to publicly show himself to the kind. Instead he, through shadowy favors and puppets, established a precedent that would eventually become the modus operandi of kindred influence. As the Pyrrhic War raged between the Roman forces and the Greek cities of southern Italy, Collat's child, Camilla, met Lysander and the two formed a strong bond. A bond that ultimately led to them taking Rome for themselves and Collat being lost to history. Camilla engaged deeply with the political rule of Rome, but, like his sire before him, remained out of the limelight. Instead, through manipulation, favors and money, he steered Rome further and further towards becoming the empire it was destined to be. Lysander acted as his advisor and agent, traveling the conquered lands and enforcing Camilla's rule. This continued for years before the Phoenician capital of Carthage on the northern coast of Africa became too big of a threat to ignore. Carthage was ruled by the Bruja and at least according to the Ventrue, the Assamites, the Banu Hakim. Lysander had been to Carthage and witnessed firsthand what went on there, but even the Ventrue admit that he may have exaggerated the state of things, still bearing a grudge against the Bruja from the Peloponnesian War. Word quickly spread of blood cults, child sacrifices and demon worship being commonplace in the rival city. Three wars were fought against Carthage and each one ended with a Roman victory although the price was always costly for the Republic. The final war, leading to the complete destruction of the city, was much more of a conflict between kindred than mortals. Ventru, Malcavian, and Toreador, with the help of some gangrel and Nosferatu, fought against the Bruha and their allies, and in the fighting, Artemis, who recently roused from Torpor, fell torn to shreds. The Bruja have never forgiven the Ventru for the destruction of Carthage, and even today it is a symbol that they, and the Anarch movement, unite around. Once Rome defeated Carthage, its expansion began in earnest, and Camilla soon found that with the increasing influx of Kindred in his domain, ruling became more and more of an ordeal. Thankfully, he was soon able to consolidate his power with the fall of the Senate and the rise of the Emperor. Although no longer able to completely rule all the kindred, he established a system where they had to at least acknowledge his rank. And for a time it worked, but as Christianity took root in the Empire, and more and more kindred tried to manipulate the emperors, the ventures split between the East and West. Camilla had vanished during the Great Fire of 64, and Lysander traveled east to Constantinople while many others chose to remain in the west, claiming domains in the new nations rising up in the ruins of the empire. For Ventru, used to the complex machinations of the Roman Empire, switching to manipulating noble families was a simple change. They also became involved in the church, but perhaps not to the same extent as the Toreador or the La Sombra. The Eastern and Western Ventru grew further apart, and by the time that the Crusades broke out, open conflict between them was not unheard of, as interests clashed. The system Camilla had built was crumbling, as the Church became the strongest institution of the West, and individual bluebloods became more interested in building their own personal power. And then the Burning Times came. Because of their high rank and often more public profiles, the Ventru were hit exceptionally hard by the First Inquisition. Desperate to flee the wrath of the mortals and having precious few allies left, the elders of Ventru threw their children at the humans, hoping to slow them down as they escaped. Despite this, many of them were still hunted down and slain, and a not insignificant amount of Ventru neonates joined together with other young kindreds, forming what was to become the Anarch Movement. Tired of being their sire's playthings, they turned the tide on their ancient masters directing the Inquisition to their havens. It wasn't until Hardestat the Elder, a prominent member of the Ventru, proposed that unity and concord was needed for any of the kindred to survive these nights, that the Camarilla, his solution, was founded. And with the Convention of Thorns soon after, the Ventru not only established themselves as the cornerstone of this fledgling sect, but also brought the Brujah into their folds. Some Anarchs remained, but were weakened as a large portion of their forces became the Sabbat, embracing more and more extreme methods. A council of twelve anonymous ventru was established in order to, at least in theory, provide neutral advice and settlement to disputes, and this council of efforts have lasted until this day, although they are now commonly known as the Directorate. As trade and exploration became a steady source of revenue, so too did the ventru inundate themselves with it. Wherever colonialism went, so too did the Ventru business interest, and this made them insanely rich. But it also served to further the schism between them and their anti-tribute, those Ventru who decided to side with the Sabbat. These anti-tribute denounced their Camarilla relatives as merchants rather than the aristocracy they once were, and the conflict between them and the rest of their clan runs deep even today. When the Age of Revolutions came, the Ventru were ill-prepared to deal with it, especially in the colonies of America. They quickly lost ground to the Sabbat, but thankfully, the Ventru were more patient than these upstarts and managed to slowly recover ground, as the Sabbat often reverted to internal strife when without a common goal. During the Civil War, many cities fell due to this chaos, and the Camarilla was quick to claim them back from the enemy. Today, the Ventru remain the pillar keeping the Camarilla standing, and in my next episode, I will talk more in-depth about the many facets of Ventru politics and clan culture, as well as a more recent history of the clan. A big thanks to my Neonate patrons, and to the Ancilla, Edward Reed, for their continued support of my work. And thank you for listening, and be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.